I mean, Christmas is a very special time of year. And it's, it's the real-life example of, of God's sovereignty reigning over all creation, I mean, over the stars in the sky, over, over the, all the different uh, kings on earth. God is in control. And so that's what we're celebrating today. And, and it's not just a celebration that we're, we have of some fairy tale or some distant story. It, it actually happened, okay? A little over 2,000 years ago, Jesus did come into the, into the world. And so we're celebrating an event. We're not just celebrating a story. We're celebrating an event. And it, it was foretold even f- way before that day. I mean, even in Genesis, we see examples where where Jesus' birth was mentioned, you know, about the man coming and stomping on the head of the serpent and a man to be born that would be a blessing to all nations. The writer was talking about Jesus. And so we have this, this whole story that we are celebrating today is the centerpiece of creation. It's when Jesus came into the world and he came for a purpose. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back of these chair pockets. We're also going to have everything on the screen behind me. Like I mentioned before, I want to give kind of a, a wide angle view as to what is Christmas. And so I'm actually going to be reading a lot today, but um, we're, we'll go through it pretty fast. Okay. And Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 20. It says this, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, they said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened and that the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. What I love about this story that Luke tells us is that it was, it's not what you would expect. I mean, if you have the King of Kings, the Son of God being born into this world, 
you would expect a little more of a celebration, maybe more preparation on the part of Mary and Joseph. Maybe you would expect, you know, Jesus coming into a, a royal family that was actually, you know, sitting seated on a throne. But instead, we see that Mary and Joseph, they were average citizens. They were probably not wealthy at all. They probably had a pretty um, humble lifestyle. They're from Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, at that time, they had about 500 people that lived there. So it's from a tiny town. And, and Jesus wasn't born in a clinic or a hospital or even a house, but born and laid in the food trough of animals. His clothing was not a royal gown but it was strips of cloth. <laughs> and on top of that, the first humans that Luke records to hear and to celebrate the news of Jesus' arrival, they were not kings and princes. They were shepherds. Now, shepherds, an old Jewish law considered shepherds to be unreliable witnesses, and their testimonies were not even allowed in the court. <laughs> so, the king of kings, born into poverty and laid in the food bin for livestock. And we, we think about that message that the angels came and gave to the shepherds. The message of, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And what we have here is actually the, the world's first open-air evangelist announcing the gospel message. They're saying, Jesus is here, but he hasn't come the way that maybe you had thought he would come. Jesus' birth was simple. And I, I think there's a good reason for that. And Jesus' birth was to happen in such a simple way because so often we humans overcomplicate things. And we think just because of the way that somebody dresses must mean that they are important. <laughs> We think just because the title they must hold must make them very important. But God wanted to show us that it was something much more simple to th than that. Jesus came into our world and God loves us. He wants to be our Savior and Lord. That was the message that the angels were giving. That is the message that we still have today. The message is simplicity. The Christmas is is simple. We like to overcomplicate things and, you know. But the true message of Christmas is, is so very simple, that God loves us so much. He loves us so much and he, he did not abandon us in our own sin. And when the shepherds saw the baby lying in the manger and, and they realized what they were a part of, I love what it caused them to do. <laughs> It caused them to immediately go everywhere and share the same message that was given to them, that Christ was born. Their hearts could not contain it. It was a message that had to be shared. And I love it because it, it wasn't just a message that required degrees of learning or time that they had to understand. It was, it was just, it was a message that everybody could understand. It was a message for the whole entire world. And God used shepherds to start that off. The Christmas message is a message of simplicity. And I also want to look um, at the account of Matthew. So in Matthew chapter 2, we're going to switch to that behind me. And if you have in your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2. 
Now, Luke's gospel mentions that, you know, it was, or it shows that Jesus' birth was rather simple. And when we look at Matthew, you might think, well, this is, is this contradicting Luke? But let's read it and then we'll talk about it. So in Matthew chapter 2, we, have the, we see the visit of the wise men. It says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, for when you have found him, bring me word so that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with a great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Like I, like I mentioned, Luke and Matthew, they tell the same story, but they tell it slightly differently. And when you read this, I mean, obviously there's some things that stick out to you. You might be wondering, what is this star that is somehow traveling? I mean, nothing in nature does that. It must have been a spectacle. It must have been something that, that caught the wise men's attention. But what I found even more interesting than that is that God was calling not just Jewish shepherds to come and worship, but he was also calling these wise men, men from a foreign land. I mean, we don't know exactly where it was from. We don't know even exactly what their titles were or their names were. We, we tend to, to imagine them being dressed like kings because of that, that, that one Christmas carol of we three kings. But if we were to actually translate the word wise men, it's, it's magi, and that is more closely related to a magician or a sorcerer than a wise man which doesn't really make sense. God was calling pagan astrologers to come and worship. It doesn't fit the mold of what you would expect for Christmas. Those that came were not really those that we would expect, but nonetheless, these pagan astrologers, these sinners, saw something, and they knew that they must follow it. And so they did. And they, they came to Jerusalem. And you would think that Jerusalem, being the capital for the Jewish people, the one that housed the temple, the one that was the center of Jewish culture, you would think that they would celebrate with them or, or be able to tell them about this king that was being born. 
Yet what happens? I mean, this is what troubles me the most, churches, is that whenever they go with exceedingly great joy to Jerusalem, they are met with a king who at the thought of a coming savior was troubled. And the people of Jerusalem were troubled. The leader of the people, they didn't, he didn't want Jesus. And the people under Herod knew that if a new king were to come into power, it could make life difficult for them because nobody likes a country in war. Nobody likes controversy. So they would prefer that there not be the king of kings born. Doesn't, doesn't that seem backwards? And, and what hurts the most is that I think that we have responded the same way to Jesus at times. When we say, you know what, Jesus, not right now. It's not a good time. Jesus is calling us to come and worship him. He was, a, a, a message went out to all creation to come and worship the king. And, and some said, no, not right now. And those that said, yes, I'm coming right now and I'm bringing the best of what I have to come and worship you, God. Those were pagan sinners. You know, in Matthew, we see the exact opposite of what we would expect. Jewish leaders troubled and pagan astrologers wanting to give Jesus everything that they had. All are called to adore him. All are called to worship him. That is what I love about the story of Matthew. Now, in John, although we don't have the story of the nativity, John does give us a little bit of insight into what happened as well. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to John chapter 1. And in verse 9, it says this, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of the man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What is one theme that, that runs through Luke, Matthew, and John? God is calling us. He calls to all who will listen. He called the shepherds. He called the magi. He's calling us today. And to all who receive him and who believe in his name... He gives the right to become children of God. So that means, church, that we are not divided in nationality. We are not divided in income class. We are not divided by the way that we look. We are all children of God, so let's act as how we've been called. Our lives should reflect the gospel message. A simple, powerful truth that still changes the way that we live that sh cannot be contained. 
Remember the shepherds, how, how they saw it, and they just had to go and, and tell everybody what they had seen. And the magi who, who saw the star over the stable and, or over the house, and they were filled with such uncontainable joy that whenever they saw the Christ child, they just bowed down and worshipped him and, and gave him the gifts that they had brought. You know, that's what Christmas is, but that's also what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news of great joy. The gospel is simple, and the gospel is for those who need it the most, those that you might not think would be interested in God. The gospel is for all people, The gospel should take us by surprise, and it should take root in our life, and it should bear fruit that comes from the Spirit. So I wonder, what should our reaction be then to this message of Christmas, to this message that we we celebrate so often in family and with friends, and we celebrate that Christ came, and we celebrate that he did indeed come for us, what should our reaction be? You know, it, in the Bible, we see several places where people react to meeting Jesus. And I, I just wanted to mention a couple in here. But one of the, the, first, um, one of the first disciples that was called was a disciple named Philip. And Philip was, was pretty notorious in his career of being a disciple of not always getting it right all the time. <laughs> He, he was faithful in following Jesus, but he didn't always understand exactly what was happening. You know, whenever Jesus was, was um, in the multitude of people in the wilderness, and he, he actually asked Philip, so Philip, um, where can we get enough money to buy bread to feed all these people? And Philip thought of it very logically and said, well, eight months' wages wouldn't be enough for even everyone to have a bite of food. <laughs> And he was also the same guy that that said to Jesus whenever he was standing right before the Son of God, you know, just show me the Father and I'll believe you. He he didn't quite get it completely. So let's see the, the way that whenever Philip first met Jesus, what did he do? He ran and he told somebody else. It says in John 1, 45, that Philip found Nathanael and he told him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael responded, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And Philip's response was simply, come and see. You know, a lot of times we, we feel like we've got to understand everything to be able to share this gospel message. We feel like we need to, to know exactly all the questions that people might ask us before we can share this message with anybody else. When really God is just calling us to say, hey, come and see the one that changed my life. Come and see the one that I know is God. <laughs> and I also think of the Samaritan woman, you know, the Samaritan woman who who was socially unwelcome by her own people, despised by the Jewish people, but Jesus Jesus chose to go out of his way to go and meet with her, to sit at a well and talk with her. 
And the woman's response to him was that, I know that a Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So then she left and she went back to her town and she just started telling everybody. She says in in verse 28 of John 4, so the woman left her water jar and went away into a town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? You know, that was the woman that got the gospel. You know, there's something that unifies both Philip the Samaritan woman, the shepherd, and the Magi. They had met their Savior, and they couldn't contain it in their hearts. It's a unified need that we all have for a Savior. A unified desire to all be called children of God. For all of us to come and worship Him for all of us to just come before him and adore him. I'm going to go ahead and ask Mark and Paula can go ahead and head up. We're going to sing in just a, a few minutes. But I want you all to understand that you don't need to understand every passage in the Bible to understand that you need a Savior. You don't even need to be a good person to come to Jesus. He loves us so much that he sent his one and only son. It really happened. And it was announced to shepherds, and it was announced to pagan sinners. (laughs) And they came and they worshiped him. Can't you see the love that our Father has for us? Why wouldn't you want to come and adore him? Why wouldn't you want to know him more? Christmas is a very special time. It's a celebration of an event that happened. It really did happen. And I want you to ask yourself this. If, If God can do this, and if God can orchestrate the whole universe around this event, what can he do in your life? Come and see. I myself, I don't have all the answers, and I never will. But I can say that God has changed my life, and I want you to see it as well. So in just a a couple minutes, we're going to sing. But as we're singing, let's not just sing an old Christmas carol that we know the lyrics by heart. Let's worship him. Let's adore him. Let's thank him for all that he's doing. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you so much for, for actually coming into this world, for living the perfect life that you did, then dying a horrendous death on the cross for us, God. In this time of Christmas, we celebrate. We celebrate your, your birth and we celebrate your life. And God, we just thank you so much. We come before you now, and even though we probably don't have all the answers solved, but we recognize that we need you, and we recognize that you are our Savior. So help us. 
in this time, Lord, to, to just cast aside all our burdens and our doubts and, and just focus on the one true thing that matters today, and that's you, Lord. We thank you in your name we pray. Amen.